Welcome back to the Describe Your World podcast. Um, that was an interesting start. I'm here with my friend and coworker, Brandy. Uh, we both work at the same company. She's well-versed in accounting, which I am not. So um, hopefully we get a chance I can learn a little bit about accounting um, over the course of the recording. I do IT, so sort of different uh, skill sets, but you know, I just, I can't mess with numbers and I'm super glad there are people like Brandy who can because I would be out of luck. Um, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Like there are people, uh, people who have just different skill sets. So we end up helping each other. Um, so welcome to the podcast. This is the first time, uh, as a guest. So we're excited, kind of spontaneous, like spur of the moment. We just decided to do it just a few hours ago and it all worked out. So that was great. Um, how are you feeling? Are you feeling good about being on the interwebs for the world to see? Oh, uh, don't everybody hate me at once. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think anyone will hate you. I actually, I actually really like the potential of, you know, someone who's, I think we're very different in a lot of ways, but I also think there are a lot of similarities that are worth like noting. And it, it would be very fascinating for people to learn the similarities because, um, both of us being from the Carolinas, I mean, me practically being from North Carolina, there are just little ties and connections that are the same. And it's always fascinating to explore that stuff. But we're also very different. Like you can, you know, see behind me, I have a bunch of like nerd and geek stuff. And I don't think Brandy is much of a nerd or a geek. No. <laughs> I'm a pig lover, but you can't see it because <laughs> it's not on the wall right now. But yeah. No, yeah, I you you my desk. <laughs> you love pigs, and I grew up right across the street from Pig Farm, so it works See? perfectly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't I kind of the way that I like to do it? Um, we'll kind of get started with just some of your origin story, backstory, early life. So whatever you feel like sharing about growing up, you know, if you want to talk mm -hmm. about your parents or any experiences that are important, I think that would be a really good kind of place to jump off. Okay. Um. So, like you said, I'm from the Carolinas, um, born and raised in Waxhaw, North Carolina, I'm from Cane Creek. It is me and my sister. She's four years older than me. And my parents separated for divorce when I was 11. So I kind of house hopped between my mom and my dad middle school, beginning of high school, and then I ended up staying at my dad's and graduating um, in Union County. Um, from there, I went to King's College in Charlotte and got my associate's degree in accounting. And um, yeah, then that journey began. <laughs> so I have worked in accounting since 2004, except for like two years when I was in banking. Mm. So. Um, my original background is in retail accounting. Hmm. And then when I came to ORC with you, I now do project accounting, which is a whole different demon. <laughs> <laughs> um, my dad remarried. They've been together for over 20 years. Um, that tells you how old I am. Um, <laughs> and, um, my mom remarried and divorced twice after my dad and currently hmm. just has a dog and loves her to death. That's her new child. <laughs> That's another thing too. You guys are like way into dogs. I've noticed because like yes. even when we would get together, like at the office or parties and things like that, the dogs are always a part of the family. Yeah. Like you're, we they are have very them in tow. much pet 
family people in this area. <laughs> so what, I guess, wax So I, I don't know a ton about it. I mean, I know the general area, but I've never really been and spent much time there. Mm-hmm. So what was growing up there like for you? What were some of the normal like family activities? So for me, I actually grew up in the outskirts of Waxhaw. So I grew up in the country. Um, anybody about that area, there's really not much. Um, I literally grew up in between the two cane creeks. So there's a day park and then there's a campground. I lived right in the middle. (laughs) Um, so family activities weren't really family activities. It was more of a brandy, find something to entertain yourself (laughs) because you (laughs) live in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Um, but it was fun. That was where my love for pets began. Um, mm-hmm. I had a dog since I was little and we did everything together. Love that dog. Best, mm-hmm. best pet I've ever had. Um, and then from there just kept having animals. Um, and then most of my family things were like holidays. Like we would always, my mom's family, she is one of five sisters. Um, so those family gatherings were quite big, <laughs> yeah. especially as they started having kids and they started having kids. <laughs> um, so, but that was mostly like holidays, birthdays and stuff. We'd go over there. Um, most of my childhood was spent with my grandmother, um, my dad's mom. She um, owned her own beauty shop on her property. Um, so, if I got sick at school or there was a day out of school and then all summer long, because both my parents worked, I was with her. So I was the child that spun around in the beauty shop chair and drove her bananas because I wouldn't stop spinning. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of help. And she also had a little garden behind it. So every morning we got up and went and picked the fresh produce out of the garden and I helped her clean it and get it ready. So to this day, fresh is still the best. There's nothing like it. <laughs> um, it's it's really interesting because you some of the points there are, you know, as I said, we have some similarities, even though on the surface it might seem like we're very different. But, you know, growing up in the outskirts of a town in the country, very mm-hmm. similar for me, literally 5, 10, 15 miles from anything, um, mm-hmm. even from town. And then the town that was nearby was extremely small. Mm-hmm. And then um, my mom has a beauty shop still that's attached on the property to the house. So like I spent time out in the beauty shop with my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Parents didn't split. I mean, I can't, I can't speak for them. I don't know that that was the best idea, but you know, they didn't (laughs) split. So that's interesting. But um, it, it it was a lot of, you know, like how can you create fun experiences Mm -hmm. for yourself? Because Mm -hmm. what are you going to do when you're that far from literally everything? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, literally, like the closest store was 10 minutes away and wax all the town of its own. It is a lot more populated now with businesses and things. But when I was growing up, I mean, it's still small, but um, like there was nothing downtown. It's a one street light town. <laughs> so you got the bank, you got the post office, you got the neighborhood park. <laughs> you got the grocery store. <laughs> oh, so don't forget the Ace Hardware. You got to have the Ace Hardware in the country. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if I'm thinking about McCall, which is, I guess, would have been the closest for us. It's It would have been maybe 10 minutes, 10-ish mm-hmm. minutes. One, I think one stoplight, maybe two. 
but it's like you've got mechanic place, you've got like a couple gas stations. Maybe there's a family dollar now, I think, but very similar. Like you, it's so small and people will ask where you're from. And I'm like, I don't even reference McCall. I'll say Mm -hmm. something like the Florence area or I'll say something else because there's no way to indicate where I am when no one's heard of that place. Yeah. I stopped (laughs) telling people I was from White Salt. Like, unless you're from here and even then half people don't know. Um, I just say Charlotte. I'm like, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the same as a lot of other places. Charlotte just kind of swallows it up anyway. Mm-hmm. So like if you're looking at property listings for Charlotte, I mean, all the stuff like Monroe, Minion Trail, it all falls mm-hmm. under Charlotte. So yeah, it doesn't even make sense to identify it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was like, uh, I guess, school like? What was education? Were you pretty good in school? I mean, you're an accountant, so apparently you're good with numbers. I actually was always a good student. Somehow I befriended almost every single teacher I ever had, even <laughs> through high school and college. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always been a good student. Um, I didn't realize how much different school was until I went to live with my mom in middle school when they split. And the school that I went to where she lived, they were teaching stuff that I learned the previous year in my original school. So I was very bored. (laughs) Um, They actually tested me and ended up putting me in two AP classes because I was just above the level. And I'm like, I'm not AP. It's just, I learned this last year. (laughs) Like y'all are a year behind. Um, so that was interesting to see. Like, I thought all schools were teaching the exact same. I did not know that there was a difference. That was crazy to me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, always. So I went to a different school, um, half of seventh grade and all of eighth grade. Um, but other than that, I went to the schools in um, the Waxhaw district that I was supposed to be in. Um, yeah, I um I actually graduated from high school early and I graduated on the honors list. Um I graduated on the dean's list from college. <laughs> so yeah, pretty good student. <laughs> Very smart. And you you seem to indicate that you were the teacher's pet often. Yes, they loved me. <laughs> well, so what's because it's the same for me. I, I was teacher's pet often, but I'm curious what your experience was like. Like, how did you bond with your teachers, especially in like a public school system? I don't know, like elementary, how I bonded with them. I think they just loved me because I was so like nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, high school, it was more I was the one that paid attention and asked questions. And especially if it was the math class, like I knew every answer. So she loved me. Um but I was personable. Like I showed mm-hmm. up to class early and I was like, Hey, you know, how's your day? You know, if they told me about their kids or their husband or wife or whatever, like I would remember and I would ask, um, I was just, and then I was goofy. So they were always <laughs> laughing at me saying I was doing something silly. So, um, it was, it's quite fun. Um, my freshman year was kind of hard because my sister's four years older than me and she's the bad child. So my first year of high school, even the assistant principal knew my sister. Mm -hmm. He was like, so are we going to have to go through this with you too? I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not her. Like I'm, I'm the opposite. He's like, we'll see, we'll (laughs) see. 
And like, you know, a few months in, he was like, okay, okay, I get it. He was like, I like you. I'll keep you. (laughs) I wonder, I'm curious because you're, you're saying things that I know about you, like personable and funny and, and good to be around and talk to, but you know, you're, you went through a divorce or a separation pretty young, pretty early. So I wonder, did that have any kind of effect on you negatively or positively, or did, is that something that kind of was separate from your development? Um, I don't know if it affected my personality um, because my personality kind of came from very young. One of my um, daycare slash summer programs when I was very young was connected to a old folks home. Hmm. And so I spent most of my days with them. And then, like I said, growing up in school, I was with my grandmother all the time. So being around them and just, you know, they don't really have anybody. So they love having someone come and talk to them. And like you become like their adopted grandchild. So I kind of got that personality of always wanting to be someone that someone else could talk to or be there and just like be that happy moment for them. Um, so when my parents went through a divorce, my Mom was my favorite um, because my dad through obviously when I got older and learned everything, I now know why. But when I was younger, my dad was never there. He worked three jobs most of the time. um, And when he was there, you know, he just. He's not a connector, um, so we didn't have a relationship, really. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm going to live with my mom. That's fine. (laughs) Um. My mom took it very hard and I ended up becoming the adult at a very young age. Hmm. So I think even though my personality wasn't changed, my demeanor changed because I grew up very quickly. Um, Yeah. I was cooking dinner. I was making sure she got up for work. I was, you know, taking care of her. You know, she come, she was in a very deep depression. So I grew up very quickly. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's like a level of maturity too, that, you know, it it can go multiple ways whenever you go through something traumatic, like you can Mm -hmm. either be affected negatively and have your development stunted and have, Mm -hmm. you know, this hard process of sort of rebuilding or, or, you know, kind of coming up with your sense of self and and reestablishing that, or you can, like you said, you can kind of grow up quickly, mature quickly, mm-hmm. develop these like extremely valuable skills that are necessary for survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those become useful later in life. Yeah. Yeah. And they served me very well. Like, a, you know, I went through college, put myself through college, um, got out of, I was done with college and at my first real full-time job when I was 19 years old. <laughs> so, um, And, you know, making as a 19 year old, having to pay all your bills and take care of an apartment and find food and, you know, car payments and everything like most 19 year olds ain't going to do that. Um, So having the maturity level for me helped in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, later in life, I am learning through self-development and therapy (laughs) that um, I didn't ever really get a chance to learn myself and learn who I wanted to be. So I am doing that now at almost 40. (laughs) Um, And the negative effects of the divorce, um, not just the divorce, but just parenting in general, um, 
I don't trust people close to me because mm-hmm. the people closest to me have always let me down. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning how to build that trust and build those relationships and um, not run away like I want to or put my wall up like, I got this. I don't need you. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess um, there's a lot to unpack in there, but I guess one of the things that I'm kind of pulling out of that is therapy is incredibly important. And it's, it almost seems like the inverse of, of, of like the normal. Um, well, like you said, you're kind of learning yourself really late, much later in life than mm-hmm. you would have before. So does that, does that mean that earlier there was a lot of like depersonalization and just some like the experience of just, you know, what do I want to do? Like, I don't know, because I don't know what I like to do, that kind of thing. Or, or, or did you still get a lot of, you know, happiness and joy out of life before getting to this point? I think I got a lot of happiness and joy out of life early on. It was more of a, I need to survive because I can't Mm -hmm. depend on anybody else. So it was focus on work, focus on maintaining a good credit, focus on paying your bills, you know, put your head down and just keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's great in a lot of ways. Like I've made myself in a really good place. I've been successful in my career. Um, so it's a very good thing to have. But on the other side, like when people are like, well, what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's so fascinating. Like that's, that's such an interesting, like uh, uh facet of who you are. Like you're at a point where, what are your hobbies and interests? Well, those are things that you weren't able to identify when most people were. So like, that's, that's like a challenge because now you have the resources to enjoy yourself. You just got to figure out what those things are that you want to (laughs) do. It's quite, it's quite interesting because it's like, I don't know. (laughs) We'll figure it out as we go. I guess. (laughs) One topic that I definitely wanted to make sure we hit on was, um, not so much friendship because I feel like friendship is such a general like topic thing that can kind of break down into a lot of different uh, branches, but specifically the way that you and I connected with each other um, because I think it really says a lot about who I am as a person. And then it also says a lot about you, which is I don't like people and I don't have friendships. And so even working in the environment that we did, you know, before COVID, we were in an office environment, cubicles and that kind of thing where our desks and it was a fairly small uh, group, especially when we started, because there were only maybe 12 to 15 people, I think, around Mm -hmm. that time in corporate. Mm -hmm. But I don't just approach people and ask them about their lives or what their hobbies and interests are. And Brandy does approach people. So uh, for us, it kind of worked out because... Um, you know, I would troubleshoot for people and tech support and kind of for corporate, at least I would be able to do it in person. So we just kind of slowly bonded during those exchanges. I kept breaking stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you kept pushing me, like you pushed me to open up and to push me to befriend you and to get to know you and things like that. So I just think that's something that's extremely interesting to play with because, there, there are people that I wouldn't be friends with unless they like invaded my space and kind of forced me to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so funny. Cause if you're now the second person to say that, um, my boyfriend now I've been friends with for over six years, we met at work. And, um, I remember to this day when he left, um, to go to another job, um, I was like, I need your phone number. And he's like, why do you need my number? I was like, because you're going to be my friend. 
And he was like, what? I was like, you don't have a choice about it. You're going to be my friend. I need your phone number so I can stay in touch with you. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still friends. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And, and I mean, too, it's interesting because you were talking about um, you spent so much time like being focused on growth, development, career, things like that, that aren't hobbies and interests and passions. And so mm-hmm. kind of during that time when COVID was really settling in and we were all sent home to work from home, I kind of went into that space too for an extended period of time. Like I didn't have many ties or connections. I just really focused on like weight loss. I focused on like uh, developing with my job, uh, professional goals. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. that's when I bought my house was during that time. And I was so cut off and isolated from people and doing things, but I was doing extremely well, like from a professional standpoint, a financial standpoint. So Mm -hmm. I can really relate to that. And I I feel like the only person that I was really connected to at that time was you and -hmm. really by force because you sort of manhandled it. (laughs) Like I'm coming to see the new house. Give me the address. (laughs) Yeah. And it's cool, too, because um, there are a couple of fun things, but I introduced you to Star Wars, which I'm still very proud of. Yes. And I still watch it. I am so excited for Mandalorian coming back out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get jokes and references now, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's like there's one of those little, like, uh, quirks and interests that you have that, you know, you wouldn't have had. So I, I think those are really cool to um to acknowledge, but I think a lot of people are like that. You can't have it all at the same time. Like you can't have the, the fun, the hobbies, the interests, the passions, the professional development, mm-hmm. the financial development, the marriage, the relationships, all of that at the same time, you kind of mm-hmm. have to get in a lane and just develop where mm-hmm. you can and where you have time to. Yeah. And that's kind of where I've now looking at it. Um, my personal relationships, whether they be, be friends or they be, actual relationship that's where I've suffered because I pretty much had my I one had my wall up of I don't trust anybody I don't need you I got this and so I didn't really let people in even though there were people around me um and because I was so focused like even in my early 20s like I said I started my first job at 19 my early 20s like friends or people around me are like let's go to the club let's go do this let's go do that and I'm like is it a Saturday? Because <laughs> Sunday through Thursday, I got to be in bed by nine o'clock. So I got to get up for work Friday. I got up early, so I probably don't want to stay out too late. So you got one day with me. And even then I work part-time job now. So, cause I need more money. So I don't know. So those, that's where I hindered. And even now, like I have a very, very small network of friends and most of them are from high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I didn't make new friends as I got older because I was so focused on just that goal. And now it's like you wake up and I'm like, um, okay, let's start over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It almost feels like, um, and I think too, I mentioned this on another episode of the podcast where I was talking to one of my friends from high school and I was like, a lot of the relationships that I have are sort of inherited relationships. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my in-laws, you know, mm-hmm. those people are um, Catherine's family or friends that she's mm-hmm. connected to, or maybe people that I grew up with or church family and mm-hmm. people that I stay in touch with more from like an obligation standpoint than people that I selected to be friends. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I don't want 
a network of people. It's more that I just don't have time. And mm -hmm. from a very realistic and logical perspective, I can't have five to 10 people that I hang out with every week. Like when would I hang out with them? You know, yeah. it's, it's like, I'm focused on marriage. I'm focused on my job. I'm focused on creating something like this. I'm focused on trying to get a couple hours in a week of watching some YouTube or doing something that I enjoy doing video game or art or whatever. And I don't have time for the rest. So, and it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I think it, yeah. I think it works fine for me. I just don't know that that's for everybody. So I kind of want to ask about accounting because I, I think that's, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit insulting, but I would never choose that in a million years, like to actually do. So um, what was it that inspired you or motivated you to get into it? I tell people all the time, I'm like, you're either, well, one, you're either an office person or you're not an office person. That's the first thing. But right. accounting is, and the teacher that kind of pushed me in the accounting way was a retired CPA. And she basically told me, she said, you either get it or you don't. So, and it made, it made sense to me because I got it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of either get it or you don't. Um, accounting is... Um, interesting um mm. not so much in the project accounting um that i do now but in the past in my retail accounting i like i guess you could call them puzzles i love searching and looking and trying to find something so that's the part of accounting that i actually find very interesting um so in the retail accounting, you know, things get posted wrong. You've got people at cash registers, people running reports, people, depending on what you do, um, you've got multiple different um, services going into one accounting system, and then you've got to kind of merge them together. So things get posted wrong. Mm -hmm. Things don't go where they're supposed to. People skip a step, whatever the reason is. So there was a lot of puzzle putting together back when I did retail and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, in hmm. school, I was always good at math. So accounting just kind of transitioned into that. Um, and it just really just came natural to me when I took accounting in high school and it just was like I had done it my whole life. It just made complete sense to me. So hmm. kind of where that kind of fell into my lap. <laughs> so I guess my next question is when you started with college, um, did you go to two-year school or university? I technically went to a business college, so kind of two years. I only mm -hmm. went for 13 months. And did you, how, how did that um, situation, I guess, come together? How did you choose where you wanted to go for your accounting degree? So I didn't choose it. Um, my dad was going to pay for my schooling. And he basically said, I've already done all the paperwork for your sister. And I know how much this costs. You can go there or you can figure out how to pay on your own. So that's how that got chose for me. <laughs> so how do you feel about that? Are you, you, um, I guess, content with your college experience? I am. There's sometimes where like when people talk about, you know, living on campus or like, you know, the, the, like 
being together and meeting people and everything like I, I really didn't get that. Yeah. I drove to school every day, left, went to work, came home, did it again the next day. So like I saw all the people in my class, but mm-hmm. you know, the experience of actually being on campus and building those bonds, I never got to do. So I kind of missed that. But given the situations that happened um, around that time and my, what I needed to focus on, not going to school for four years actually paid off because I needed to get a job very quickly and learn how to support myself. And so I was able to do that very fast. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I was going to touch on that a bit because that was kind of my experience. I went, I went to both. I went to a two-year college and I got my associate degree that was sort of like a general studies degree because it was just associate of arts. And then <laughs> I went, I transferred that to university for two years and I got my bachelor of arts in English and creative writing. But the problem was, is when you split your college up into two different parts, you get the same experience where I didn't really bond with anybody at either of them. I commuted to both of them, didn't live Mm -hmm. on campus, didn't get involved in any of the parties or activities. Um, When I started at university, I was a junior and all of the clicks and and connections and circles mm-hmm. were already pieced together. Mm-hmm. So I have friends from college, but very, very few. Whereas a mm-hmm. lot of people have this great networking experience and they have mm-hmm. all of these connections and people that they still talk to. And I'm like, I kind of miss that because I didn't have time to build that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight out of college, there was a few of us. And again, it was just in my class. I didn't really meet anybody outside of my class. Mm-hmm. Um, for a little while, a few of us kind of stayed in touch, but then it was just life moved on. And, you know, we, I think I'm still friends with one of them on social media, but other than that, I don't really talk to anyone. The one person I kept in contact up with the most was actually my professor. <laughs> As I told you, I make friends with my teachers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. Like I, my my closest ties from college are professors, hundred percent. Yeah, I stayed in touch with my professor for years. Um, I haven't talked I haven't talked to him in a while because he retired and he was kind of doing his own thing. So, um, yeah, I actually kept in touch with him for a very long time. <laughs> so, if you could go back and redo it, and you didn't have the burden of growing up quickly and paying for bills do you think you would have still done accounting or do you think you would have done something more in a different avenue? I think I still would have done some type of accounting. Um, To this day, I only have one regret in life. I think that everything happens for a reason. I think I learn something from everything that I go through. The only thing that I regret is when I was in high school, I didn't go to the air force and Hmm. I would have got my schooling from them. And I honestly believe knowing me and knowing how I am, I probably would have done something financial wise in the account in the Air Force. I probably hmm. would have never left. Um, but that is the one thing. So I probably I still would have done accounting. So like I said, math was like my only real thing that I got in school, even though I was a good student and I made good grades. Account, uh, math was the one thing that like I excelled at. I it just came to me. I understood it. It made sense. And so it would have done something with finances in some kind of way. Um, mm. Just don't know where that would have landed me. <laughs> um, so. 
you were you were good at math. I had the opposite experience. I tried to avoid math. Whenever I started my college journey, I was like, how many do I have to take? And what's the easiest one that I can take? And they took my SAT scores and just placed me in college algebra, which there are so many other maths that I probably could have done. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm toughed through college algebra. Um, and then I, I made it a point not to take any other maths because like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm OK with it. And I did have some of it in chemistry but it's not my wheelhouse at all. I just, numbers don't really make sense for my brain as they do mm-hmm. for yours. Yeah. And that I was super happy to have classes where I could write papers. That's, I could write papers all day, every day. <laughs> and see, that's where, nope, I'm not writing. I'm not speaking. I'm no, no, I barely read. <laughs> if you talk to me long enough, I don't have proper I think no. you're doing really well. I, I don't know. know if we had this conversation, but I definitely talk about it with other people. Like, um, cause as an English major, one of the questions that people will ask is like, do you pay attention to grammatical errors and like mistakes and things like that? Actually I do. Like when I talk to people, I hear it all the time, but I've gotten better over the years. of not pointing it out because it just mm-hmm. really offends people and hurts their feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so you avoided math class. I avoided English class. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It's like, what's the bare minimum I have to do to pass this? It's like one of the one big deviations that we have thus far Mm -hmm. is just the the parts of our brains that are strongest. (laughs) But they say opposites. So I've got that side. You've got that side. We're one together. (laughs) And it it clearly worked for ORC because like the technical side of things, like I obviously did well with and then the personable personality the connection the interaction part you took care of that part so yes (laughs) that blend works for people it's just a matter of getting the right people into the right situation but I've, i've always been that way though i mean i you've described yourself before i think as like shy but you don't come across as shy at all like you can befriend anybody no i'm actually I am shy until I get comfortable with someone. Um, so usually work is a different atmosphere than most things because I kind of don't get the luxury of not speaking to you unless I just don't ever have to deal with you. But of course, like I said, when we started, I broke a lot of stuff. So I had to deal with you quite often. <laughs> um, but yeah, once um once I get comfortable with somebody, I say I'm like night and day. It's like the light switches and it's like here I am. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Hope you're ready. <laughs> but yeah, when yeah. outside when people meet me, like I don't approach people. I don't approach strangers like I but if someone will communicate with me, I'm very open to that. Like I'll keep, you know, keep a conversation. I'll keep you know, communicating with you. Um, I'm just usually very shy in the beginning. So I kind of like just in the corner, like, okay. <laughs> where did, where does that come from? Why, why do you, uh, why are you afraid to kind of throw yourself out there? Cause I, I mean, I understand what it is for me. I think for me, it's an extremely rigid, logical opinion of just human beings, but I, I'm curious if there's anything that made you feel, you know, like you wanted to retreat I don't know exactly what it is. I probably need to touch on that in therapy. Um, (laughs) But because when I do get comfortable with someone, um, as you well know, I'm an open book. 
Like, I don't filter. I don't hide. I, my, I am me. So I usually take that time to get to know somebody basically to see if I can trust them. Because I know once I start talking, it's just, here it is. This is me. You're going to know everything. Welcome aboard. Um, so if I don't trust you, there's a wall there. There's a barrier that I'm like, I keep it very professional or very short with you. I'm still pleasant. I'm still nice. I'm not going to be disrespectful. But there's a different line that I tow with people that I just don't get that trusty feeling from. Mm-hmm. So that's usually where the for me, where the shyness comes from is I'm, mm. I'm an observer and I'm reading people. And once mm. I get my read on people, then I'm like, okay, you can get to know the real me. <laughs> I wonder, do you connect more quickly with people who come from like a similar uh, situation, similar circumstances? Is it easier? I've never paid attention to that, but now that you say that, I think a lot of the people, besides, like I said, my friends from high school, because, I mean, besides living in the same place and going to the same school, like, uh, none of us really have anything in common. I actually have a very diverse set of friends. Mm-hmm. But the people that I've made friends with since I've gotten, like, out and um, out of school and, like, my adult life. I think most of them do have some similarities. I kind of attach to that. Um, but more or less is the person. Like if you're a per if you're a real person, I know that sounds real, sounds weird, but there's so many fakes and so many like, I'm gonna smile in your face and then I'm gonna stab you in the back as soon as you turn around. Mm-hmm. So if I find somebody that's really down to earth, really real and like an honest person, like that's who I connect with, mm. which is kind of why I have such a diverse set of friends is because I get to know the person. Mm. We don't have to have everything in common. You and I are a great example. Like we don't have to have everything in common. We have our differences, but at the core, I think we mirror each other and that's what I look for in a person. And that I've, had that quite a bit and the people that really get to know me know me and they know how I am and they know where I'm coming from but the people that don't they're like you're so mean (laughs) I'm like actually I'm not I'm just very honest and upfront and like I'm not filtering me this is I'm very big on what you see is what you get this is yeah (laughs) but you're not going to wake up in five years and be like who are you like Still the same person I was then, <laughs> just older and grayer. <laughs> and I don't know if you deal with this, but I definitely struggle a lot with like the political correctness, the woke culture, the kind of like modern take on let's sugarcoat everything. Let's mm-hmm. make everybody like feel a certain way. And like, let's mm-hmm. pay a really close attention to each individual's feelings and opinions. It's very difficult for me personally, because as much as I care about other people and want them to be happy and, and want them to not be offended, I can't avoid offending people sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes that's because of fate. Sometimes that's because of like a political stance or a social stance or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of bleeds over into things like work or personal life or mm-hmm. church or whatever, because, yeah. you know, nowadays if you say something offensive, offensive in their mind, at least it's, you know, it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't avoid doing that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I haven't really dealt with it much. I'm not 
luckily with the company that I keep, I'm not really around a lot of the younger generation, so mm-hmm. I'm not dealing with it. But um, yeah, same as you, like you can't please everybody. Yeah, Somebody in some way is going to get offended no matter what. So mm-hmm. it's like, just know where it's coming from and know that our differences are what make us who we are. Mm-hmm. So all the sensitivity and the everybody's got to be so open and like, no, we're all different. <laughs> that makes us who we are, but I still have my opinions just like you have your opinions. Yeah. That's fine. Just it, it's what's behind it. Like, are you just stating your opinion and it's like, you do you, but this is how I feel. Or mm-hmm. are you doing it from a hatred point? Are you doing it from a mean, vindictive, hurtful place? That's mm-hmm. the difference for me. I'm like, nothing I do is hateful or vindictive or anything. It's just I have my thoughts, my opinions, my beliefs. Like you said, we grew up church, family, you know, what we were raised in. And it's like, this is how I am. But you, you be you how you want to be. This is my opinion, though. So, I, I think the problem, though, and and maybe maybe something that you can address, and once you learn the answer, come back to me with it. But I think the problem is, whenever you have such a strong foundation of core beliefs and opinions, kind of like, and maybe a southern thing, maybe it's not, maybe it's everywhere. But I think people who grow up with extremely strong core values have the problem later in life because. Um, we're the ones who have to change it, right? Like everybody else, they're offended and it's okay if we get offended, but it's not okay if they get offended. So we're asked to change those core things or at least shift ourselves to sort of blend in with whatever the predominant value or core Mm -hmm. belief is. And so I I don't really know how to fix that or change that or make that work because it seems like the result is we get pushed farther and farther away from more people, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, not being accepted as much as others. Um, you know, we have church people or, um, you know, the way we were raised, like living with certain values, there's a very tiny little group that we fit in mm-hmm. and we don't really fit in other groups. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm, I'm struggling to figure out. <laughs> I'm currently trying to figure that out, not necessarily in other people, but in myself. Um, mm-hmm. that is, that has been my journey of 2022 is, in finding myself, I've been trying to find what of those core values that I was raised in mm-hmm. are actually mine yeah. and which ones are just, this is what I was taught. This is what I was drilled to believe. Do I actually believe that or not? Um, so, but in general, I have found that as long as I'm me, pe- people that are going to be who I want to be around are going to migrate towards me. Mm. So I really don't, I don't edit. (laughs) You don't edit. You don't filter. I'm not very good at that. (laughs) (laughs) It gets me in hot water sometimes. (laughs) I'm definitely getting better at it. I'm definitely, because I study a lot. Like I watch a lot of debates, a lot of streams, a lot of conversations and trying to absorb information just because I think educating ourselves really helps a lot. And at least if I don't agree with it, I can understand the other side mm-hmm. on a lot of topics. So I think that's really helpful. I'm getting mm-hmm. better with being social and interacting and engaging, but it's so much work. Like I just don't want to <laughs> just leave me alone. <laughs> 
Come out of the house. So what role does faith play for you? So I understand you're, we, we went to church together before, like we're both people of faith. So has that been pretty constant since childhood? Um, yes, I was raised in church every Sunday morning, night, Wednesday night, Bible study, um, revival week, the whole nine. Um, when I was 16 or 17 and um, I had the ability to say no, I stopped going to church. Okay. Um, <laughs> not because my faith, but more or less just like I was like. I would feel like I live at the church. This is a lot. Like, can I breathe? Um, plus, you know, being a teenager and, you know, all that, being a rebel. Um, my faith is an ongoing challenge for me. Um, just because I am a, I don't trust. Um, mm -hmm. So I am very much a. I want to poke holes in the things where it's like, you're supposed to just have faith. You're just, mm. you're just supposed to believe. And I'm like, I need more than that. <laughs> I need a little bit more than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I very much believe that there is a higher power, power, higher power. Excuse me. Um, I believe in God. It is not that I think there's a Buddha sitting around somewhere. <laughs> no offense to anybody that loves Buddha. Guys, you know. <laughs> I do believe God, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe all of that. It's the, how it translates to modern day is where I, I have a problem. Um, so one of my big things is, um, I believe in love is love. Um, I usually date outside of my race which is very, very, you don't do this. It is not allowed. It is in the Bible. But where is it in the Bible? Yeah. And how does that translate into modern times? Because the only scripture I've ever gotten quoted, and I don't know scriptures by quotes, but is something about the tribes don't intermingle. Mm. Okay, well, that, that was back then. Yeah. We all intermingled now. <laughs> so how do you tell me that mine and I get I get caught up in the fact that they look at it as face value. So as long as we're both white, it's fine. But what if they're English? What if they're Italian? What if they're you know what? That technically is a different tribe. So why aren't those made as a thing instead of just, oh, we're a different shade of color? Yeah. No, we're still human. We still bleed red. And as far as I know from the Bible, we either are all going to heaven or hell. So why that I, I get very um caught off on that. Um and then of course in church there's always the hypocrites, I'll say. <laughs> the hypocrites. Um the people that like to just be there and be seen. Um, and I just have a very big issue with that. And at, my aunt is very, very much in church and everything. She's like, you just need to go to church for you and have your, your faith with your, with God. And it's all about you. You don't need to worry about everybody else. But when the pastor is one of the ones that I'm respond, I'm thinking of, I can't believe anything he says. 
Yeah. I can't respect him. So now I don't want to go to church. I can have my relationship with God and never go to church. Mm-hmm. I fully believe that. I like church. I like going to church. I like the community and everything that you get from church. But I don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And when I don't respect the person that I'm looking at that's supposed to be teaching me, I don't believe anything you say. So you can't tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to have my own relationship. I, I think the one thing that really kind of resounds and is kind of impactful that I, I was hearing is, you know, the piece about the way scriptures are quoted. And it's mm-hmm. such an interesting thing. And I, I would really be curious to know if this happens everywhere, or if it's just a Southern thing, mm-hmm. because the way, and it's, it's kind of funny because the way that people like us are sort of taught and raised by our parents is by getting scripture quoted. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, if you want to exactly. learn a new like facet or, or nugget of wisdom about life, I'm going to quote the scripture to you. Mm-hmm. So for as a great example, I'm sure you've heard this one because I'm sure you've heard them all. But, you know, someone who doesn't like tattoos, you mm-hmm. hear, don't put a mark on your body. That's the scripture. That's mm-hmm. that gets quoted. I'm like, well, what's the context of the scripture? And mm-hmm. they're talking about burial rituals. They're talking yeah. about the way people are, are buried and the way that they're like treated with a, a level of respect. Mm-hmm. But there's also a scripture that talks about and there's historical evidence of God's people having tattoos because that's how they identified their tribe. They had mm-hmm. tattoos on their body to let them know where to go. And because when you were traveling in for 40 years, you know, they, it was hard to keep track of your family. and all. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's up, guys? Future Travis here. When you're in the moment and you're having a conversation, sometimes it's difficult to be extremely uh, detailed and extremely precise about what you're saying. And some of the details might get lost in the flow of the talk. So when we talk about the verses out of Leviticus that discuss tattoos, um, I just wanted to quickly address those. So Leviticus 19 does directly state, uh, it warns against cutting the body and tattooing the body. Um, so a couple notes about that really quickly. Um, uh, during the time, just for context, a historical context, during the time, it was really common for people to get tattoos of pagan gods, deities on their body, which is what we're talking about. God's people at the time coming out of Egypt as slaves and, and receiving this new law from God through daily practices and rituals to observe. Um, so it's really important to note that whenever it's talking about tattoos and the burial rites that I mentioned in the episode, um, it's really discussing things that might have picked up in Egypt, particularly things regarding um, other gods. And that's in context what he's talking about versus just general tattoos. Um, and it's kind of clear because the very thing that, that that ends the verse, the follow up to that is I am the Lord or I am Yahweh, depending on your translation. Um, so it's pretty clear that from context and from the rest of the verse that what God's really emphasizing is, you know, don't put things on your body that are referencing another deity or another god. You know, these pagan rituals and practices are not going to work. So just a little bit of extra detail about this talk and just to kind of fill in some of the gaps. The other thing that I wanted to very quickly and very briefly mention is when I'm talking about um, God's people moving in the wilderness for 40 years after leaving Egypt. And I talk about identifying one another via their tattoos. What we understand is um, from historical evidence is that the Egyptians would have tattooed God's people with a mark that demonstrates that they were slaves, you know, because they would want to identify those people as workers 
or, you know, different in society in some way. So it's pretty clear that God's people were tattooed and identified as slaves in that way. So after they left Egypt and they were in the wilderness, this would, this practice would have, they, the tattoos wouldn't have gone anywhere. They would have still been there. So it would have been really easy for them to identify each other um, as they're traveling. So I just want to jump in sort of post-conversation to make a couple of those points a little more clear and add a little more detail about them, just so I don't have issues later. Like if somebody watches, they're like, you know, that's probably not right. Um, and they want to add more context. And if you have comments and things like that, please leave them in the comment section. I'd love to read them and we can continue the conversation there. Thanks for watching. Back to the talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like when I'm six or seven, that makes plenty of sense. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. Tattoos are yeah. bad because scripture said, don't mark your body. Yeah. But then whenever I'm like 25 and I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm understanding what yeah. culture and society was like at that time and the context of the scripture, I'm like, I don't know that I believe that anymore. Yeah. And so yeah. it's really hard for people who come from that kind of environment with people teaching things that way, because like I, you have to understand so much more than just what that one verse says. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole generation of people who would just be super angry about something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's where I run into problems is I'm usually faced with that older generation and it's mm -hmm. just the, the one way you read it and that's it. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> no, that I don't, I don't think that's what that meant. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Um, and and it's tough, too, because a lot of people who are from the outside looking in, who are people who don't have a relationship with God or who aren't in church, they're really looking for answers. And the kind of answers we're giving them are really poor answers. You know, mm -hmm. like we're not explaining from a scientific perspective why we believe there's a God. We're just slinging scripture at them in a very mm -hmm. aggressive, hypocritical way and hoping mm -hmm. that they're heard enough that they'll just kind of bow at it, you know, and yeah. kind of just go, go with it. And yeah. that kind of hatred and that kind of harshness is why they don't join the church. Why they and don't, they don't want to go to, yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. why they hate Christians. And so I read a book in college called habits of the heart. And we, they were talking about, there's like a hundred thousand different Christianities in the U S mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. each person has an individual perspective of Christianity. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a problem, you know, because you're looking for answers and you're looking for confirmation and, and truth and objective truth at that. And mm -hmm. there's a hundred thousand different versions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> right. And it's because it's because we're human and we're fallible and, and we just want to believe what we believe. And if mm -hmm. I can find a scripture that supports my argument, we're done. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I quoted it. We're done in the subject. <laughs> so that it's a problem and it's, it makes being a person of faith very hard because like you mm -hmm. have a very personal relationship with God. You know, my wife and I, we practice our faith a certain way. We pray together. We believe the same mm -hmm. things. We do attend church. Uh, there's a church we really like that we attend. And, and so far there haven't been problems with doctrine, but that stuff's going to happen at some point, you know, mm -hmm. like, and it's going to come up and people ask questions and you have to be prepared. And it's a, mm -hmm. it's a whole craziness. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is one part of my faith that I've never really, I have a very big, don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics. Mm -hmm. My life goes a lot smoother that way. <laughs> yeah. It's now, interesting. Obviously you, uh, when we get into the nitty gritty and I get one-on-one -on -one, like with me and you or me and with other friends, like that's different. But as a general mm -hmm. out, that's where you're going to run into arguments and problems and it's, just, <laughs> it's a mess. So it's like, 
till you get to know me and who I am and we get more personal, just nope. Are you religious? Yep. Keep it moving. <laughs> keep moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's part of a bigger conversation and maybe we could come back and do a whole talk just about sort of the hypocrisy of modern Christianity because I feel bad that, you know, I don't even feel equipped to have conversations with atheists that are convincing that can lead them toward mm -hmm. being people of faith because I don't have any good examples to point them to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I, I think it sucks. And and even our preacher was talking about um, recently the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, obviously. Jesus talking about her being a person from a different area. He wasn't supposed to be talking to her. Um, her being a person who had had multiple like male partners mm -hmm. and who knows what color they were, or what mm -hmm. race or whatever, doesn't really matter. But like, he wasn't even supposed to talk to her. Like he shouldn't mm -hmm. have even been associating with her. Mm -hmm. So if my example is the, the savior that I have is okay to intermingle with people that you're not supposed to yeah. intermingle with, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to yeah. feel pretty good about that but yeah it is frustrating <laughs> it, it is very frustrating yes so that is my <laughs> that's your christian rant for the day <laughs> that's my christian rant for the day i'll get off my soapbox and continue. <laughs> um is there anything else that you want to touch on like any topics uh oh one other thing before we get to my questions my 10 questions that i have to ask um uh. so super bowl so you're i think you're <laughs> the only person that i might be in the near future discussing uh, sports with because you're an Eagles fan. So yes, congrats because the Eagles are there. <laughs> Thank you. Jalen, Jalen Hurts, extremely proud of, followed yeah. him in college and um, had a lot of ups and downs, but definitely a deserving quarterback to be in the Super very, Bowl. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I am very excited. I am actually very sad because Super Bowl is always the weekend of my birthday. So I thought mm -hmm. I was going to be watching it on Sunday. <laughs> and then my boyfriend informed me that they added, they changed the schedule and added an extra game, season game. So the Super Bowl was moved a week. I was like, oh, so I don't get an early birthday present, which I was very excited <laughs> about. Because um, I believe the one and only time that we have went to the Super Bowl and we won was also on the Sunday and my birthday was on Monday. Oh, okay. so I literally stood, stayed up all night. It was like, going crazy because I was like, yes, this is the best birthday present ever. <laughs> and you know, it's very interesting too. And I don't know how uh, in touch with like sports and, and individual athletes you are, but you know, Tom Brady retiring this week and mm -hmm. then the conversations about Aaron Rodgers and where he's going to play, I feel like are going to kind of eclipse the whole like Super Bowl and the ramifications mm -hmm. of that. It's kind of annoying because they're both, very diva like to me so <laughs> i think worry. it's way people's fans in philly will make sure that we get the spotlight back on us because they like <laughs> climbing light poles and you know gridlocking the entire downtown don't worry we'll be in the spotlight again because <laughs> we're crazy <laughs> i love that it's i love that it's andy reed and the chiefs and andy reed's former team i love that there are two black quarterbacks uh, for the first time like there are a mm -hmm. lot of really cool little storylines that are going to yeah, be a part of two it brothers going the first time two brothers, brothers yeah. are going yeah there's a lot coming out of this super bowl that is really really like it's really neat. It's great to be a part of it. And I'm so excited that my team gets to be a part of it. <laughs> what's your, what's your, what are you going to um, predict for the score? What do you think? Where's that going to go? <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm not good at that. Um, and mm -hmm. I probably would suck at it. Um, but considering that 
the playoff game that we or the conference game that we just did, I really thought it was going to be neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Like I did not expect a blowout game with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually very mad about that because one of the things I kept saying was I was very excited to finally have a real competitor and somebody that's not in our um, conference. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we don't play San Francisco, but once every four or five years. Um, and they've had an awesome, awesome season. So I was like, yes, I was like, we're going to get to play a great team. And I was even like, if we lose, I'm fine because I want that competition. Like, I want to say I'm the best because I beat the best. Mm-hmm. So that blowout game just made me so upset. I am just so <laughs> just annoyed by that because it shouldn't, shouldn't have went that way. Mm. So I am hoping <laughs> that the Chiefs game is going to be an actual game. Um, I think we'll win by a field goal. Okay. I that's have fair. no idea what the score will be, um, but I think we'll win by a field goal. I don't think we'll win by a touchdown. I um, think my, unfortunately, and, and I want, I would like Philadelphia to win too. My problem is, I think that Cincinnati and Kansas City were the two best teams. Um, and the problem, like you said, being in the NFC is there's not a lot of competition. Um, mm-hmm. And sorry for the Cowboys fans. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm not going to treat you mm-hmm. like with kid gloves because Dallas is not still not a good team. So yep. unfortunately, even though you won a lot of games, you're still not good. Um, but I haven't seen the Eagles like beat a quality team like mm-hmm. really convincingly. So mm-hmm. um, I think Cincinnati and Kansas City are the two best teams. And I think that was kind of like the Super Bowl in my mind um, when they played. And that, that was, was a, that was really a tight game. game. That yeah. was a really, that's what I expected from our game. And it just <laughs> went the complete, I was like, yeah, what just happened? <laughs> so like either, either Philadelphia is going to completely destroy them and they're by far the best team or they're going to really struggle to score. And yeah. so, I don't know which way it's going to go. <laughs> it's going to be um, very. Um, I do like the way Jalen Hurts has rounded our offense. Our our defense is hands down one of the best. It always mm-hmm. is. So we're good at holding the other team. Our offense is what struggles. Yeah. As long as we get a good powerhouse quarterback that can hold the team, our offense is amazing. And Jalen Hurts has done that this year. He is really, really good. Um. So I'm really excited to watch the game. Um, and they, they gave him, like, two of the fastest receivers. They gave him, what is it, Quez, Quez Watkins, and then uh, Devontae. Yeah. I think those are the two, like, speedy guys. But, yeah, two brothers, two black quarterbacks, lots of storylines. So mm-hmm. and um, this is only our second time ever going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and the first time we went, we won. So, you know. Oh, that, that yeah, means they're going to win. <laughs> they're definitely going to win now. Oh, no. <laughs> Like we don't get there very often, so. <laughs> well, before we before we wrap up, I'm gonna if you're down, I want to ask you my ten questions, um, and okay. then we'll kind of wrap it up. But it's been okay. a good conversation, so I have to come back and do like a Christian theology debate. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, what's your favorite word? Huh? <laughs> is that your favorite? I mean, I, I guess H U H is a word that works. <laughs> According to Tony, that would that's my favorite word. So <laughs> what's what's your least favorite word? A word I don't say. Okay. It starts with the N. 
Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I think context of the conversation, I think we got it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that word at all. What excites you? My eagle cannon. Okay, you might be really excited in a couple weeks. You know me, food excites me. Come on. (laughs) What upsets you? How do I put that in words? Um, I unfair treatment, I guess. Okay, yeah. I don't like people that don't. Like I said, I see a person. Mm-hmm. I don't judge based on anything else, height, color, condition, anything. Like I get to know a person. So I don't like people that are just unfair for no reason. Judgmental, yeah. Yes. Um, what sound or noise do you love? I love the dinner bell. <laughs> sure. That works. If there is one. <laughs> My food timer going. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Um... Scratching on a chalkboard. Fair. That's pretty common. I'd say about 50% of people have that answer. Uh, horrible. Horrible. Thing. What motivates people you to act? Loudly. Oh, yeah, yeah. My wife my wife has, like, misophonia, and she hates the sound of, like, food and being chopped and chewed. Too <laughs> quieter. Uh, what motivates you to act every day when you wake up? To act? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm not acting. <laughs> what made it, what motivates you to, to do when you wake up? Uh, my food habit and I need money to sustain that food. Habit. <laughs> There's like a little theme, a thread running through. <laughs> if you know me, you know what that theme is. <laughs> um, what profession other than your own would you like to try? Hmm. Mm, that's a good question. I'm waiting on it. There's, there's an obvious answer here. <laughs> I don't want to be a food taster because I, I don't, I don't know. No, no. I was going to say chef, but I don't want to be a chef. It's okay. Too much. It's too much pressure. I don't, I don't want to come up with meal plans and food. No, I don't want to do that. Mm. Um, I want to be one of those people that travel all around the world and like document it. You could be a content creator. Yes, them people. Like a vlogger. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Pay me to go travel. I'm down for that. <laughs> start a channel. We'll start watching. Um, what profession would you not like to try? Cleaning out porta potties. <laughs> <laughs> so specific. <laughs> is that too dirty for you? Yes, <laughs> or sewers. I won't clean them out. <laughs> All of the above. Filth, anything regarding, like, dirt, that works. No. Um, and last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> That's what you want him to say. Ooh. <laughs> oh.
if I made it to heaven. (laughs) 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 Um, Just being me, be like, wow, that was a fun ride. (laughs) That's fair. You just hope he's entertained by it all. Yes. (laughs) Well, you did well. You survived all 10 questions. Um, I thank you for coming on. It's been really fun. Um, Thank you for having me. Good conversation. I'm glad it was spontaneously uh, put together. So we'll, what I, what I'd like to do just for context for people listening is um, once I get to a certain point in episodes, I think I'm kind of around 20 at this point, but I want to kind of pivot and change direction with the podcast and do like debates or like um, pick one topic and just kind of go back and forth. So maybe we can do like a Christian debate or something and argue, (laughs) make people really mad. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good at that. (laughs) So I'll let you have the last word, shout yourself out, whatever you want to say, as long as it's nothing extremely vulgar or hateful. (laughs) Well, we just learned I won't do that. I don't like that. I don't have anything to say. I'm glad you invited me. This was a lot of fun. It actually was less stressful than I thought it was going to be. Um, it was a lot of fun though. I enjoyed it. Thank you. So. And it's cool. Cause now you, if anybody ever asks, you know, who are you? You just send them the link. They're like, I've got a podcast. Go check it out. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, that's a wrap.